Listening to the KSR Football Podcast. Football is back, and that means the KSR Football Podcast is back. I'm Nick Roush. Happy to get on a Zoom call with my friends Drew Franklin, Freddie Maggard, and Charles Walker. Gentlemen, it's been far too long, but we actually have football, so that means we need to be talking about it on the KSR Football Podcast. Drew, it. it it feels like we actually might get to see some action on the gridiron this year. Yeah, and I've been dying to do this podcast. I've missed you guys, but there was really no point in doing one when the news was changing every hour. We didn't want to do something, and then everything changed and be thrown away. Now we actually have a schedule and camp starting and things to talk about, so I'm excited. No, oh, I'm, I'm really excited. And we've got hard knocks to talk about. Uh, Charles, our boy Austin McGinnis is a hard knock star. Uh, he got – I don't know, 30 seconds of airtime in the season opener. So, I mean, it was electric. Um, and I just – I can't wait until he's in the featured role there. I actually – I've watched half of the first episode and am catching up on that, have the second recorded, so no spoilers. Can't spoil it for me, all right? I, I, I'm kind of the same way where uh, Baby said, stop watching this episode. So, I, ha- you know – Naturally, I stopped. Uh, so I've got a little bit of catching up to do, but it just it, it feels good to have just to hear the like, and then like, the, you know, all the football sounds. I, Freddie, just having football back is is the sound of Mike Edwards popping the crap out of Rob Gronkowski got me fired up Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, football is back. I mean, I, you know. For the last month, two months, we've been dealing with projections and are we going to play, are we not going to play, are we going to have a schedule. But now we actually have a schedule. It's time to play, and it's time to start breaking down personnel instead of all the BS everybody's been writing about and talking about. Let's get down to football. I I am so sick of the other stuff. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it, Freddie. Freddie season. (laughs) Exactly. I come out when it's it's real, okay? You know, the amateurs can do the preseason bullshit, bull stuff of uh, <laughs> <laughs> projecting and guessing and all that. But when we get down to X and O's and personnel, I'm ready to go. Oh, man. Uh, see, football, it, it's officially back. Freddie, what, when they announced they were having the, the schedule selection show. Yeah. A, how fired up were you? But B, have you ever seen anything like this in college football before? Never, never, ever. And, uh, you know, I, I think Kentucky <clears throat> actually benefits from the schedule, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, looking at it, I mean, you know, I break down the schedule, especially when we're talking about a condensed all-SEC 
slate, which is going to be very different, very difficult. This year, in my opinion, you have to break it down by tempo and physicality. So Kentucky in the first two games, first three games, gets tempo teams. So Auburn with Bo Nix is going to be tempo, a mobile quarterback. Ole Miss is the same thing. Mississippi State is going to be spread them out, throws the football 83% of the time. So you're getting three tempo teams back to back to back, which is good because if you get physical teams back to back to back, you're going to be beaten up. Mm-hmm. You know, in my opinion, one of the storylines that I'm going to follow this year is how opponents of Kentucky recover the week after playing the Cats because you're dealing with that offensive line that is, is the best in the conference and they're going to beat you up, and you're dealing with three running backs that are 200 pounds plus, and they're going to beat you up. I want to see how opponents bounce back after playing Kentucky. And I I like, too, that you get a week to at least look at at what Ole Miss can do on film. They're the second game of the season. And Mississippi State, you got two first-year head coaches, and you like getting those teams early on because they're going to be figuring out the kinks, how their personnel fits within their system. They don't have any tune-up games. And you aren't getting them the first game of the year. So you at least have a general idea of of what your offense is going to be like. It's not like Eli Drinkwitz out there who's like, we're not going to tell them a quarterback because we're going to make Alabama prepare for all four of them. It's like, (laughs) Yeah, like that's going to matter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ooh, Alabama needs to watch film. Like, they don't yeah. have 50 guys ready to watch film. 174 and, analysts on their staff, so that'd be okay. But and, I, I agree with Drew. You know, I listen to the radio show, and I think Drew makes a great point that without a camp, without an off season, and without the normal preparation for the season, it's going to be extremely difficult for some of these teams uh, to bring everything together, especially the teams with the new coaches like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, uh, Missouri down the line. You know, I, so I, I, I think this this schedule works perfectly for Kentucky. Oh, perfect. Perfect schedule, Drew. Doesn't that sound great? Like, when was the last time something was perfect for Kentucky football? Well, you know, I've heard a lot of fans say that of all the years for this to happen, it happened a year we were set to be good. And even I was like that at first. But I'm starting to think this might be the perfect year for it to happen because I think experience and having veterans on your roster is going to go a long way and add some extra wins to your win total just because, I mean, not it's not just the experience on the field. I think they're going to be taking things a little more seriously. Uh, I heard Drake Jackson talk to Tom Leach about how it's all business around there. You know, I don't think you're going to see Drake Jackson out at any parties. Not that, you know, football players in other schools will, but I think having senior leadership and guys knowing this could be their last shot well, at least help in that category of keeping guys staying extra safe. And I think in turn, that's going to add lots of wins because uh, I think throughout the year, teams are going to find or be outbreaks here and there, key players. And I think the ones with the experience and that are sticking with the strictly business attitude will uh, have the best success. I saw well, Drake is down to 292 as well. Did you see that? He, he looks true. Yeah, he does. Uh, we uh... – we got rosters yesterday. We also got to talk to players at opening day of training camp. We can go a little bit more uh, in depth into that later on. But I, I just wanted to mention, Drew, to your point, it's kind of weird. Like, normally the first day of training camp, we'd be asking guys like Chuck, and you're like, oh, what's the next few weeks going to be like? And he just would roll your eyes at you just talking about how awful it's going to be. And yesterday it was the exact opposite, where they're just talking about how blessed they are to, like, be able to practice because 
it's a luxury that most teams don't have anymore. And, and Wayne and Young said it best. I mean, I, I don't know where he's falling on mock drafts right now. Uh, I would think he'd be kind of mid to late with a chance to really rise up the board. And as he put it, he's like, uh, guys got a lot on the line this year. And when you have a senior laden team who has a lot on the line, they're going to do whatever they have to do to, to make sure that, uh, that they can actually play the season as, as scheduled. Yeah, I, I think it's funny you bring that up. Um, it, it immediately made me think of, you know, some practices, whether it be summer or fall camp, where your body is 100% fine, but your mind is like, oh, God, we got to go to practice today. It's 110 degrees. Um, and then during that practice or another practice, maybe you, like, tweak an ankle. So then the next day you go to practice and you're like, man, if only my body was 100%, then I'd be pumped. Um <laughs> It just made me think of, you know, you, you're saying these guys are, are happy because, you know, most of them, you never really know how good you have it until they're going to say, hey, you're not going to play football this year. And then they're like, well, hell, we'll do anything to play. We'll show up at four and get the, you know, the swabs up our nose. You would have said that guys used to complain about flu shots. Now they're, you know, probably getting swabbed every day. Um, you know, you never really know how good you have it until it's about to be taken away or is taken away. I just think it's funny that you bring that up because I used to be one of those guys where, you know, some days, God, 105 degrees out, it's a bye week, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Then one week later, your ankle's twisted and you're like, oh, man, why can't I just be 100%? And then you look back yeah, a, week, yeah. a week ago and you are 100% and you were complaining about it. Yeah. Um, just think it's funny. Well, and this this year's also not – I mean, Stoops was even kind of mad when they – called somebody asked him at camp and he's like well it's not really a training camp because they've implemented a bunch of rules and essentially it's it's like so so right now charles they're doing the regular season practice schedule as far as like time limits and stuff and yeah. what's that practice routine like compared to training camp and how much you're at the facility during training camp god training camp it really is just it could be a Friday and it feels like a Monday. It could be a Monday and you think it's Friday. I mean, really the days run together and, you know, you get to the facility at eight and whether it is a full padded practice followed by a walkthrough or it's even your day off, it's kind of like you're there, you're watching film. Um, so you ask camp to regular practice, what regular practice during a game week, we're there from one to six seven ish camp you're there at 8 a.m to 9 p.m i mean really mm -hmm. there might be some breaks in there where hey you can go home for two hours all right why would i even want to do that and right. if you're injured hey you got to stay and get treatment for these two hours and then you have 30 minutes off i mean it is uh i mean camp's a lot but you need it so i'm mm -hmm. sure sadly i'm sure we're gonna see a lot of not bad playing, but a lot of mistakes that you wouldn't normally see in the SEC the first couple of weeks because you, you just can't practice. Right, right. And and now, to the, your point, instead of having 18 hours of the facility, you can only be in the locker room for a tight 14 minutes after practice. You have 14 nice. minutes to get changed, get showered, and get the hell out of there. There's no dilly-dallying around. There's no going over to the – you know, the DBs coming over and messing with you and talking. Like, you, you don't have time. For well, that's the, that's the whole fun. I mean, once I practice is over, uh, you, you all should have had camera of 
bye week Thursday when practice was over, just the in energy in that locker room when you have your a whole weekend off of literally just sitting on your couch and watching other people go at it. I mean, that was when you'd have thought there was a party in the locker room. I mean, that's crazy. Everyone's ripping their tape off, throwing it at each other, which is disgusting. But, I mean, it happened. Um, tape fight. Yeah. People hanging out in the cold tub, guys that would never even swim through it, are now just doing cannonballs in it and, and chilling. They're like, we don't have a game this week. We're good. We finally get to rest. All these bruises are going to go away, maybe. Uh no, that's awesome. Uh, I, I want to go back to the schedule because, Freddie, I think it's funny that, as, as Drew mentioned earlier, you have some fans who are like, oh, God, this year, the schedule, it's so tough. When I go back and look at when you played, Freddie, the schedule you played doesn't look too different than the schedule that these guys are playing. No, we played Bama and Auburn. Uh, you know, one year we played Ole Miss and Mississippi State both. I mean, you know, it's, it's what it is. You know, it's kind of you call your shot. You know, if you're scared, say you're scared. It's, there's not a team or program that is excited to be playing 10 SEC games because the level of difficulty just goes through the roof. But if you have to, the best-case scenario is for an experienced team such as Kentucky uh, with with an offensive line like it has, with that stability to be going into the year. So. You know, it, it, every team will have a, a doubt or a, you know, uh, something to think about going into this. But, you know, you look at Arkansas. Arkansas got screwed bad. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for that new coach, you know. I mean, they, they didn't they, even let Arkansas play Vanderbilt. Like, that would have been a great uh, toilet bowl. Make it the yeah. CBS game instead of that music. You just flush yeah. the commode. But, you know, the only certainties in this 10-game SEC schedule – are, and I mean no disrespect by this, but Vanderbilt's not very good. No. I mean, let's be honest. And they're going to struggle. And Arkansas got totally screwed by the schedule. Everything else is wide open. No, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and the thing that, as you mentioned earlier, when it comes down to physicality and tempo, yeah. I, I actually was talking to, to Cole Kublik, had him on the radio show yesterday morning, and – you know, we've got plenty of time to preview that Auburn game, but they got four whole new offensive linemen. Everybody except Big Cat on their defensive line is gone. Secondary is yeah. gone. That's a game where physicality can win out. And really, you go back-to-back Tennessee-Georgia, you have the, those two really tough stretches with Tennessee-Georgia back-to-back yeah. and Alabama-Florida. And, you know – if you can punch them in the mouth a little bit harder earlier, if you're getting them on their heels uh, after a tough game, that's where you can really take advantage and pull off a, a serious kind of upset. Absolutely, Nick. And, and, you know, in between that is Missouri and Vanderbilt. You know, <laughs> I really do think this is the best-case scenario schedule that Kentucky could have gotten. And I really like finishing with South Carolina on December the 5th at Kroger Field. I really do. I, I think that's going to be, you know, I've heard Matt talk about it, and I totally agree with him. It's going to be a swing game. It's going to be a deciding game. Um, I'm surprised South Carolina is not ranked number three in the country going into the preseason. <laughs> and Louisville ranked number four, but you know, it's just the way it is uh, because Louisville is kind of the new South Carolina in the rankings. 
Yes, um, so, you're you're yeah. you're right on that part. Uh, so I, I really like finishing up with South Carolina. Well, the reason why I like it is because their season might be over with by then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, okay. if they if they don't win at Tennessee, if they don't if they don't beat Tennessee to open the year, they got Florida a bye week with Vandy, and then Auburn LSU. They could be one and four heading into the bye week. And if you're trying to keep everybody's yeah. heads mentally in the game. That's why I think that South Carolina, the wheels could fall off pretty quickly uh, yeah. for that yeah. team. Um, and this could be a trying year for Muschamp, and uh, it could be a make-or-break year. But every year seems to be that way for him. <laughs> and yet he's still hanging around. Drew, I, yeah. I want to know, what, what's, what's your swing game? What's the game where if, if, if Kentucky wins this one, it's going to be a good or great season. Jared used to always say that it was that Louisville game. If you could win that first game against Louisville, that you could go bowling, great things could happen. But if you lost it, then, you know, your season's kind of down the tube before it ever really gets a chance for a liftoff. I mean, really, I don't know if there'll be one that we have in a typical year, but I'm looking at first game of the year just because really anything could be pulled out from under you at any time. Also, with it being Auburn, you win that and your whole – perspective on the next nine games changes. If you go down to Auburn and lose by 21, you kind of, oh, nine more games to go. But if you go down there and beat Auburn, we start looking at each other like, holy cow, what is UK capable of doing this season? And you get real excited. And who's week two? Tano, Tennessee's um, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Ole Miss, yeah. I mean, Ole Miss, as we've said, inexperienced. You're winning that. you got your Tennessee. You can never win. You've got momentum. You don't have – I just think that, that we normally have – I just think that Auburn game, if you can win it, can change the way you – at least from, I don't know, in the locker room, but at least the fan excitement and thinking of what that team's ceiling could be if they're 1-0 with, one, with the one win being at Auburn. Yeah, and I saw Auburn's going to have, what, 17,000 fans at the game? Students, too. Students, students and students. they're just players' family, so. Uh, but do 17,000 fans make a difference? No. no. That, that's – I mean – Again, no disrespect. That's a Miami game. That's what Miami gets in or Wake Forest or somebody like that in the ACC. So, I, I really don't think that that's going to be a factor. But the one I'm thing looking at this, I'm I'm a little more crazy than others because I've convinced myself this is the school I want over any schedule we could possibly have. I, I'm yeah. signed up for this suicide mission here if we go 0 and 10. But I keep thinking about all the disadvantages Kentucky has every year. Like, Kentucky's never had 100,000 people at a home game. You know, the Auburns, Alabama's A&M, they get that all the time, and that energy is there for recruiting and everything else, and that is a disadvantage every single year for UK. Well, that's thrown out. A lot of times, depth is a disadvantage for UK. Well, this year it might be one of the deeper teams ever. So if you just wrote down the pros and cons of what UK wants and things they can't achieve other years, whether it be the crowd or where they're based or whether whatever – this season has gotten very neutralized uh, towards UK um, being able to compete with some of these teams. Normally, they wouldn't even be able to. You you say you love this schedule, the suicide mission. Do you think we're ever going back, or or, or are they going to? Is this the first step to upping the ante and maybe not playing ten SEC games with nothing else, but maybe at least nine with just a few bunnies thrown in there here and there. I don't want it full-time. I, I like the big blue wall, Terry Wilson back, the secondary. You know, this is a pretty unique year for Kentucky. Maybe it'll be the norm moving forward, but I, I wouldn't want to sign up for this all the time. That's why I think we got lucky that it did happen this year 
as ugly as it looks, we're just looking at it from a UK standpoint. Imagine, as you said, Vandy, Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina, Mississippi State. They're just as scared as everyone else, if not more scared. Yeah. I just think uh, this could be a year that Kentucky could take advantage of where everyone's strengths got ripped away. Uh, I'm I'm curious too if we we were talking swing games, Chuck. The one that I think can really tee you up for an incredible year because it, even if you lose this Auburn game, if you beat Tennessee, you got a chance to go five and one or four and two going into the bye. And there's nothing like beating your rival, especially when your rival is kind of the flavor of the month and everybody's loving what Jeremy Pruitt's doing. That's my kind of swing game for the season. Hell, was the last win at Neyland like 1983 or something crazy like that? It's been a long damn time uh, since that happened. I want to see that one to really kind of carry momentum where uh, the following week, we we talk about Georgia being a tough opponent, but Georgia will be coming in fresh off of a game at Alabama. If you can beat Tennessee and start feeling good about yourself, you're going to talk yourself into winning that Georgia game at home. You just are. Uh, especially after the way that, that they've recruited like dogs, but they're not completely healthy. They're replacing most of their offensive line. So I, I think that Tennessee game can get us dreaming big once again if something like that happens. And, uh, Chuck, I'm curious what you what do you think your big kind of swing game could be for this season? I, I agree with you in that, yeah, Tennessee is a rival. We hate them. That's a swing game. But – I'm going to side with Drew here because you think about SEC football, you think of Auburn way before you think of Tennessee. And you think of Ole Miss way before you think of Tennessee. Or, you know, those were kind of, I don't want to call them powerhouses, but I mean, they, they kind of are. I mean, when I think of Auburn, I think of Gus Malzahn being a baller and Cadillac Williams and Cam Newton and Nick Moore. I mean, all these crazy players. So if you can go in and win that first game, um, I think that's big because, again, they they have that history. And, gosh, I wish there were, they were allowing 100% fans because I'd travel to that oh, stadium man. in a heartbeat. That's a bummer. Um, but I think that's big. If you can start 1-0 um, and really get those kids to believe, hey, you know, on, on Monday after that game, we win. Great game. We come back on Monday and Stoops can say, hey, we just beat you know, a historic program. We kicked their butts. Hopefully he's saying that. Um, you know, what are we going to do the, the, the next nine games? What are we going to do with Lane Kiffin? And, you know, all these offensive guys, I'm sure Lane Kiffin was trying to recruit them to FAU, probably tried to snag them to Ole Miss at the last second. Uh, you know, he's a great offensive mind. I think if you can, you can beat Auburn, you can take down Joey Freshwater, Sweetwater, whatever his name is, start out 2-0, and and you can look at these kids and say, why don't we do – why don't we go 10-0? Um, I think the the first game is the most important. And, you know, like if we go into Auburn and we get, we get beat 50-0, to it's not going to be good. If we go into Auburn and we win, it's going to be unbelievable. I do. That's like where you, I'm at. You, 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 that's such a stoop sign. Like our next game is our most important game. The first game is the most important game. Like that. And I mean, I wouldn't be saying that if we were playing – Eastern Michigan. I mean, what's the swing game? Oh, the first game, Eastern Michigan. No, I'd say it's right here in the middle of the schedule. But when your first game (laughs) is Auburn at Auburn and all eyes are on you and you've been saying how we've been building this team forever and we're right there, 
Uh, you know, last year was a fluke. We lost our quarterback. We still had a great year, blah, blah, blah. We're, we got Terry back. We got depth. All right, we'll prove it. Prove it against an SEC powerhouse. All right, well, let's do it. Want to know, baby. <laughs> uh, That's what I'm saying. Now, I, I think when you look at this, too, you see the big names on this schedule. Uh, you see Alabama and Florida as two of the last three to end the season. You're trying to figure out, okay, which which one of these games is the big upset? Freddie, what team right here do you think is the most ripe for the picking when it comes to for the Wildcats to, to, to pull off an upset? You're talking about at the back end of the schedule? I'm just in the entire 10-game slate. Who do you think is most ripe for an upset? Well, first of all, I'm shocked that Kentucky's an 11-point underdog to Auburn, to be quite honest with you. Um, that it. I don't know if I would call that an upset, to be you know, to be completely honest. I mean, I, I see this as an even matchup. I see this as a pick'em game. Uh, Auburn will not have home field advantage because of the crowd limitations. Um, so I would say a true upset would be Alabama because again, I, I see Florida as a pick'em, as two even teams. So the only team that I see on this schedule. Well, Georgia and Alabama, um, but Alabama in Tuscaloosa would be the biggest upset on the schedule. The thing about that game is there's a lot of kind of scenarios where Kentucky is almost like a trap game, and none are greater than the Alabama game because you got LSU uh, the week before, they've got the Iron Bowl the week after. You can see that scenario, but Drew, we didn't get the early Alabama game, which I was I was hopeful for. I really, really wanted to see Mac Jones. I don't think we're going to get him that late. I really wanted Alabama first, but a lot of the reasons work with Auburn too. Except I wanted Mac Jones. But other than that, the the list of why I wanted Alabama still plays with that Auburn game. That's why I was so happy. But if we can't go ten and zero, I'm thinking we lose at Alabama, but we beat Florida, and then we beat Alabama and Atlanta in the rematch when it matters. How about Ooh, that? I like we go 9-1. and one. We lost at Tuscaloosa, but guess who's there in Atlanta for the rematch? Oh, man. that's yeah. You, you can't beat us twice in a row. Uh, am I right? Uh, Nick but, Saban has never beat Mark Stoops twice in one season. That's facts. Facts from Drew Franklin. The thing, too, that Freddie mentioned about it being a, a pick of Florida, Florida might not have all of their best players. In their first practice, their top three wide receivers weren't there. And if you if somehow their tight end catches one of this and he's like, well, hell, I might opt out too. They might just have to bring Charles Walker back in to to be their wide receivers because they'll just be out of players. So I th- I think the the back end of the schedule too that could trouble. could be a benefit is like we don't know how coronavirus, how opt outs, like this stuff can change rapidly. And I, I know we're we're, we're kind of putting our blinkers on to all of that right now. But that Florida team may not look like the, the Florida team it was supposed to be in, in week two by the time November rolls around. So, just keep, keep that in mind. Keep yeah, mind. I've actually thought up, what if a guy, an NFL caliber player, has a great first six games? I mean, perfect. And he's healthy and he's like, you know what? I made it this far. They got my senior tape. Numbers aren't any better. I'm opting out for the last three or four games. I think that's the new opting out of a bowl game decision that players are going to have to make, to be quite honest with you, Drew. I think that's a great point, a valid point, and I think that's something that we're going to see. 
Yeah, I don't expect it to happen a lot, but say a Florida QB is just lighting it up, and then maybe, you know, the week before, people are like, man, you had a great year. They're raving about you. You could sit out now, and you're a first, second-round pick. Somebody do it. I'm not saying it's going to be a phenomenon across the board, but you just really never know with this year. And having some of those better teams late, you don't know what could happen to their rosters. Uh, this isn't, like, uh, directly applied to this player because he's only a sophomore uh, and their schedule sets up nicely. But take a guy like Derek Stingley, who's a real kind of uh, just a complete game changer on the defensive side of the football. If their team loses a few games and you've already played well halfway through the season, then well, I can't get a national championship. I mean, what the hell, what the hell's the point of, of finishing this out? Uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, yeah. Good job, Drew. This happening. Again, it's not a lot, but say we play South Carolina last, right, at, in Lexington? Yes. If I've made it nine games and I'm looking at my millions of dollars and we're still – COVID's everywhere, we haven't made much progress, I might be like, you know what, I don't feel like flying to Lexington for this one game. Call me selfish. We're out of it anyway, whatever. I got good tape. I'm not going. Yeah. Man, Drew Franklin just making great points. He is. Great points yeah. all around. Um, man, my dog just came in the room and ripped the nastiest fart. I mean, it is just absolutely horrid. And I, I'm frankly, I'm disturbed and curious if she got into anything because that's the only thing that would make sense as to why this fart smells so bad. Um, Duke. Oh man, uh, you know, it, well, his, his, the, the poops aren't that bad yet. It's when he starts eating real food that things are just going to get a little bit wonky. Um, uh, Nick, why don't you walk us through um, yesterday? Freddie, I don't know if you were on, but the Mark Stoops Zoom situation. I, I wasn't a live participant. I watched the replay. But as a media member having to do this with, what, probably 50 people on at once? There was a lot of people. How, it, how was it, practice one? It was – so the Zooms after practice with Gran, uh, Landon Young, and Terry Wilson and A.J. Rose, those went well. They, they had a nice little pace to them. There was some tempo. And you, you only had maybe a dozen or so reporters on. But for Stoops, the season opener, this was almost like media day where instead of having 50 people crowded in that media room, they're on a Zoom call. And there was three pages of, like, Brady Bunch. I mean, it, it's, the, it's the most people I've ever seen in a Zoom call. And naturally, you know, a lot of people just wanted to get their voices heard. You know, he got asked about home field advantage about 17 times and said the same thing every single time, kept asking. And things got really awkward when they tried to to call in Buzz Baker and something wasn't working. And, and so they just moved on to Dick Gabriel. And Dick Gabriel asked kind of a serious question about uh, Chris Oates and just the linebackers in general. And as Stoops, you know, he kind of starts, well, you know, Chris, it was, it was really we, – we hated to see what happened for him. And then all of a sudden you hear, Long-time listener, first-time caller here, Buzz Baker. And he just keeps talking, and he just does not stop. He, he doesn't know what's happening. He just keeps asking the question. And Stoops' face was just like, uh, what? not sure really what's going on here. And Tony Neely's trying to cut off Buzz, but Buzz is just – he's Buzz Baker at this point. And so, finally, Buzz stops talking. And they, they basically press reset and kick Buzz down the curb to let, to let Dick ask his question. But it was – that was – I thought for a second that somebody had just, like, hijacked the, the, the stream, that there was just some Joe regular fan taking over to try to mess up Stoops and throw him off his groove. 
that made it onto the replay they posted online for everyone to watch. And I mean, of all the questions to come up, a very serious matter. And Dave Baker was 10 times louder than anyone had been the entire press conference <laughs> shouting long time listener, first time caller. It was just a preview of what's to come with all this, uh, zooming yeah we're gonna be it's we're not gonna be in in their faces asking interviews all the interviews are gonna be done via zoom so uh it's gonna be different it's gonna be different but like everything else just something we got to get used to um but you know it's not bad miles on your car uh this fall um no not as many miles uh and now instead i get to to hang out with my son in between so that's fun uh but it's not like I got all this free time where I'm like Charles Walker playing Valhalla, just, you know, on the reg. No big deal. How was that, not, by the way? Not on the reg. Uh, that was a first-time player. Oh. First-time caller there. Um, it was great. It was uh, – I, I have been doing a little bit of golf and a lot of insurance. Um, oh, oh, just no, a little get, bit of golf. They did get to play Valhalla. That was great. Um, course is in good shape. The fairways are kind of getting fried a little bit. So oh, sorry for all the hollow listeners. Please don't send me hate mail or anything. Uh, most of them agree that the fairways are getting fried. Um, but I mean, every, every tee box you step on and just go, man, that's a golf hole. I mean, it's, and then you have every other course you can do that once or twice. It felt like every tee box I stepped up on went, man. Can't this wait to awesome. not know where my tee shot's going. <laughs> <laughs> Did you shoot an 84? It could be over there. could be over there. Uh, shot 85, actually. Oh, yeah. see, and I, I, 85, very believable score. Very believable. First time, you know, I didn't play some holes correctly. I just, whatever. Maybe go lower next time. Maybe go higher. Who cares? <laughs> Got to play it. Bought, like, three T-shirts. So, it was fun. You spent more money at the pro uh, pro shop than you did <laughs> anywhere else. Yes, absolutely. How, how's it like to have a caddy when you golf too? Like I've always. Uh, so we actually didn't do a four caddy. Um, I wanted to do the whole experience where we walk it <laughs> and we have a caddy. Um, we just did the you know carts and that. I think that was the most cost efficient way this time. Fair enough. Um, but it is – it's great having a caddy. I've done it before. It's also kind of awkward. Because, you know, the, the guys in the, in the PGA, they know their caddies, and, you know, they can get mad at them if they say go here, go there, and they do it, and it's bad. You kind of have your own caddy, and he tells you, yeah, you need to go here, and then you do exactly what he says. Then you're in a terrible spot. You're like, well, what the heck, stranger I just met three minutes ago? You're supposed to help me out. Um and it's weird, you know, just having some guy hand you all your clubs the whole time. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Like, yeah. I can get it. I'm like Happy Gilmore. Those are my, those are my clubs, all right? <laughs> no, no. I would I, not be good with caddies. I was, a, I was at um, a golf club out here for a year, and they, like, come out and get it out of your car. And I'm like, no, I'm capable of carrying my – and not cheap like exactly. I didn't want to take them. I just feel like I should – I'm capable of carrying my own things. Yep. I'm, I'm – my move too is to go to the pro shop first, then bring the cart back to the the car. And it's not out of laziness for the clubs. It's so you can get your bag of beers in the back of the golf cart. Oh yeah. Gotta do that. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, come on. Beginner move right there. I mean, everybody does that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, What's the tailgating situation back on the football topic? 
Whew. Ah. You know? We don't know. Here, here's the thing. If they're going to have fans in the stands, they're going to have to offer them parking. My, the thing that I, I wonder about is I, I don't think you can tell those people who are paying to park, like you can't sit out and like you, you can't eat a, a meal or drink a beer before you go in. Now, I think what they might do is have like tailgate police come by and make sure that there aren't like giant parties or anything because the last thing they want is for that to go uh, to be on like an Andy Bashir press conference where they've got like a picture of a bunch of fans at a UK tailgate. But who's to stop? Uh, you know, there's like a church across the street that has uh, a bunch of people that pay to park there. Uh, there's a bunch of college houses. Who's going to stop those people from having a tailgate of sorts? So I think we'll have it to a degree. It won't look the same. Uh, but I do think that UK will have some sort of like a lengthy list of rules. Like only people on our property have, can have passes and be going into the game, stuff like that. Yeah. They'll have to cover their own asses a little bit. I assume if we have it, they'll probably be like, you can only hang out with the people you came with mm-hmm. and then people will mingle and UK will be like, we told them not to, you know? So I right, right. didn't know if you'd heard anything on that front. Cause I know a lot of people are interested in finding out. I do think that, if you've made plans to go on road trips, yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry about you. It's probably not going to happen. And also, this is going to be one of those years where it's probably better to just get the get the crew over to watch the game in the basement in, in front of a bunch of recliners because – Or case bar and grill. Yes, yes, one of the two. Which, by the way, uh, I think I might have to – Blaine's Friday night? $5 Blaine's at the bar? Oh, man. I'll be there. Bourbon night. Get in there. Man, that's a hell of a deal. And you can't even, like, find Blanton's places. That You just can't. You can't find it. So Exactly. <laughs> except at KS Bar Friday night. Um, I think that we actually should probably get together at KS Bar at some time and do this whole podcasting thing. We just got to keep the positive vibes rolling with football, uh, Freddie. We got we to gotta keep the train on the tracks. I know we're going to find out about high school football on Thursday. Hopefully that's a go. Um, so I, I, I'm liking all the optimism I'm hearing, Freddie, because last week when the Big Ten just like, I, I, what the hell were they doing? Because it sounds like the, the ADs and presidents don't even know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, that's an unorganized mess, if you ask me. And I think other conferences are going to reap off that through recruiting and other uh, aspects because, I mean, you know, they were very vague in their announcement. And now the parents are, 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 are demanding meetings with a, with a commissioner. It's just, it's a mess, you know. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, the Big Ten is, is one of the better conferences out there. And I think Ohio State, to be quite honest, is the best team in the country. And, and I feel bad for those kids that aren't going to get a chance to go out and win a national championship. So, uh, that's a tough deal for those guys. But, I, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. So. You know, I think Vince Merrill and coaches like that are going to try to reap benefits on, on a conference that has is, is failed to communicate with his players and his parents and, and made a hasty decision, and, and it is what it is, no matter what. You know, because the SEC could eventually decide not to play as well. But I think the time lapse and the way it was handled by the Big Ten was very poor. 
and, and it really was more or less they gave out a plan and said, hey, if you follow these rules, we can play. And they never really gave the plan a shot. And, and I think that's what frustrated most. Um, whereas the SEC, they're at least – all right, we're going we're gonna to try this out. We're going to see how campuses go uh, once students come back. So that, that's something we can talk about at a later date. But as of right now, the Kentucky football players – uh, they've said it once. They've said it a thousand times. They feel much safer on campus, and and I think it's not just from uh, because they have staff there clean and everything, but it's also football is a good motivator, and having a season to uh, prepare for, I think, you know, it, that'll be in the back of your mind when trying to decide whether to go to a party or not. Whereas if you don't have football, well, just go to the party. I mean, what, what else? You know, what else you got to do? So I, I think that is that kind of deterrent and motivator isn't being talked about enough in this conversation of will they play, won't they play, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if there's no, if there's no football, you're going to have guys will drop out. Grades will go down. You'll see a lot of people that are on the right path completely their way because football was their motivation. There's a, I, I've seen some of these guys really, really trans get into great shape too. Um, because of football i mean i know you mentioned drake jackson earlier but there was a couple i was looking through this list of some guys who are just i mean they are rocking and ready to roll one of them's a newcomer and that's from the state of mississippi josiah hayes he's gonna be rocking 99 great great defensive line number for a big guy 6'3 314 pounds from Horn Lake, I can't, I can't do that Mississippi accent, but when he says Horn Lake, it's just, Mwah. oh, it's beautiful. Horn it's beautiful, Lake. Freddie. Oh, man, that kid, that that's a football player right there, Freddie Maggard. One that jumped out at me was Jamin Davis at 6'4", 234. Uh, he's put on weight. DeAndre Square is up to 224. And Isaiah Cummings, Nick, correct man. me if I'm, not, if I'm not wrong, is 6'4", 228. Yeah, they, they have it right? technically as 6'3", but his hair, I'll give him that extra inch. 228, that's – he hadn't even – he's only been there for a month. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that jumped out at me as well. He's, he's rocking number 84, Drew. I mean, I can't wait to just say, oh, Cummings mossed on him. I mean, it's just – it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's Man, funny Chris, you said him and Josiah Hayes because, I mean, I'm not as – tuned in as you especially this year but in the few conversations i've had i've heard both of those names mentioned right away hmm. as, as new guys to watch and then chris rodriguez at 224 man <laughs> that is a load trust me well, so eddie, eddie grand said something yesterday uh after practice that i was it made me so happy freddie because you know eddie he's always been a we're gonna give the hot hand the ball they did that last year and it it, it worked Albeit with a few times where you the, the the games where the guys would hit the wall, uh, they needed the three back rotation because just the physicality of the league. But yesterday, Eddie Grant said, "We're we're going to be subbing based off of personnel and who does best in these situations." Which I think that means we're going to see Chris Rodriguez on third and short instead of just like yeah. having AJ Rose. No, we'll see AJ Rose. We'll see AJ Rose. I think we've done this before. <clears throat> I like that all three of them are over 200 pounds. And, that's... And, and to that point, though, he talked about – AJ said he spent a lot of the offseason working on his route running and, and pass catching. 
I know we Chuck, you kind of joked about him being third and short, but third and long, third and seven. I could see him t- even just being like an emergency jump off, taking that ball and going 20 yards down the field. Well, why not when you can match him up with an SEC linebacker that's used to blitzing and tackling and run stop, throw out AJ on a wheel, have two slants, man-to-man, AJ on a wheel against a linebacker, touchdown, baby. God, just give me the OC call. I'll do it all, all year long. <laughs> oh, uh, Do you all see um, – we had – uh, Anthony White on our show a couple, uh, week ago, and we were talking about little advantages you'll get that you don't even know you'll have yet with COVID. And he mentioned Max Duffy rolling out and no crowd to get loud to notify uh, anyone to turn around. And that never crossed my mind. You know, in a real game with thousands of people, if Max Duffy tucks it when he's rolling out to punt and runs, everyone on the field is going to know within seconds because on a normal punt, you don't just – people don't start screaming and standing up. So little things like that he mentioned never even entered my brain. So you, especially Charles and Freddie that played the game, have you thought of anything that it might be game one and they're like, holy cow, we didn't think we have this huge advantage right here due to no fans or whatever it may be, little little advantages that might show themselves as we go on here. Well, I, you know, thinking about the scenario that Anthony said, it could go the other way too because, yeah. you know, when it's a play-action pass, you know, the, the sideline screams pass, right? Mm-hmm. And when it's a fake, the sideline would scream whatever. So, it could go either way. So, I mean, I think not having fans in the stands, you know, the sideline is going to be more uh, of a communication. Much more chatty. Yeah, much more chatty than before. You'll, you'll hear pass run calls through the yeah, speaker, I'm sure. Run, you fake, know. all that kind of, you know uh, – I don't know but if is I that as good as 50,000 people at once just roaring? Because I don't care where you're on the field. You're like, okay, something is happening. <laughs> yeah. You never hear the sidelines that close? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well if the, the fans are, are roaring, no. But if the fans aren't there, you're going to hear the sidelines, you know, much more clearly. And, uh, you know, it's a lot like a high school game, to be quite honest with you, because when you go, you know, you'll hear pass, you'll hear – you know, run, you hear all this other stuff. And I think the sidelines are going to be vital. And there's going to probably be a, a coach or a GA or something assigned to do that with the sidelines. So it's a unique year. It's going to be crazy all around. Yeah, that yeah. one might not be the one. That one he said I, sounded good to me. But I bet there are some things that no one's even thought about that mid-game oh. they're going to see a little spot and it's working out for somebody. Absolutely. I agree with you, Drew. Well, and hell uh, – I mean, go back to what we don't want to think about, but that Florida game back in, I guess it was, like, 2017, sneaking the guys on the field. I think think some stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I think you might be able to get away with, with, with some things. Or the, the good old-fashioned uh, left tackle eligible kind of deal. Maybe I'm just getting uh, – you know, I'm I'm already on the trick plays now that Chuck's talking about running wheel routes with the running backs. But I, maybe with some some stuff like that, I mean, you would think the sideline would be active enough. Um, I just think that the the home field advantage, while it won't necessarily play as much of a factor in the game, I think it will at the start of games. In that the other team, I'm sure travel is going to be weird. Uh, with COVID stuff going state to state, 
having, you know, you're probably gonna have testing involved in some sort of capacity. I know they're talking about adding a third test for the day of the comfortable surroundings, I think will play an advantage for the home team, at least at the beginning of the game. Um, because I mean, what, what if let's just say, I, I don't know that these are the exact scenarios, but what if a team's just got to be at the stadium X amount of hours before the game, if you're the home team, you've got nice digs. If you're the away team, hell at Iowa it's it's like a pink room you know like they're you don't necessarily have the nicest amenities as a home team might so I think you if you if you are the home team you can get off to a nice start against some of these teams maybe that's a small advantage uh maybe I'm just just grasping at straws but there's stuff there there's definitely stuff there it could be I mean if it's a UK Tennessee situation or similar distances would teams even drive down day of which would they're doing it to be safe, but that could throw off their morning routine and getting fired up for the game. I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but there's going to be so many new things that are new to everyone. I Definitely think it's, does. experience and leadership is going to be are going to be vital uh, because Charles, I mean, you scrimmage in empty stadiums before, and it kind of stinks. <laughs> you know, it yeah. it's one way or the other. I mean, it's not very much fun to be quite honest with you. Uh, but if you have a veteran, experienced team like Kentucky with solid leadership as it appears that it has, I think, again, that's why I like Kentucky in this schedule because you're going to play in virtually empty stadiums and you're going to have to be motivated one way or another. You're not going to be motivated by the crowd. So it's going to be self-motivation, and that comes from leadership and experience and and the want to that, that comes from a team that has a lot of returning starters, a lot of uh, future pros. And, and, and those are the things that Kentucky had. There's uh there's one player I wanted to mention that we didn't has no experience that we didn't even know was going to be on the team until Stoops announced yesterday that Torrance Davis is going to play linebacker for the Cats. He signed as a running back, uh, listed at six two two twenty. Kentucky needed some bodies inside. We didn't know if he was going to be eligible or not, and if he was going to have a sign in. Now they've got at least a fifth guy in that inside linebacker room. Uh, on scholarship to to kind of help back up uh, Jamin Davis, who Freddie mentor, mentioned earlier in DeAndre Square. So good to have another body in that inside linebacker's room, uh, but I, I don't think they'll need him that much this year. I'm anxious to see uh, what Marquez Bembry can do. Uh, in, maybe he has a Jamin Davis-like year where he can kind of – might be a sluggish start, but towards the end, Davis averaged like seven tackles a game over his last four uh, games last year really had a great month in November so did Chris Rodriguez Rodriguez averaged like nine yards per carry in November so guys like that who got stronger at the end of the year I expect to hear from a lot Freddie who, who are some guys that you you think fans will be hearing from some throughout camp as we talk to coaches about uh, what what's happening during preseason practices well I think you look at experience again with Devontae Robinson at safety uh, because there's going to be a lot of young <clears throat> defensive backs that have the ability to play. Uh, some won't, some will. Uh, but having Devontae back provides some leadership and stability in that, in that secondary. Um, I look at the receiver position, and, and the newcomers there, uh, Josh Ali is going to have to establish himself as a go-to number one receiver in the Southeastern Conference. We'll see if he can do that. Uh, but but in my opinion, all eyes are on the guard position. Uh, will it be Kenneth Horsey? Will it be Austin Dodson, R.J. Adams? Will it be, you know, another newcomer? Because I, I think with four starters on the offensive line that are projected, 
somewhere to be all SEC and to the NFL, if, if you solidify that, that left guard position, then you're looking at potentially the best offensive line in the country. So uh, for me, that, that's where my eyes are fixated on. And also something that we've not talked about is Blake Best snap for uh, field goals and punts, and he's gone. So there's going to be a new snapper, and that's, that's, that's a vital position. So, I mean, you don't think about it until something goes wrong, but that's a, that's a position we need to be looking at as well. Man, leave it up to Freddie to bring up the long snapper. That's why we love you, Freddie. Guys, I got a meeting. I got to run. So it's been fun. I appreciate it. Miss you guys. Yeah. Let's do it more regularly now. Absolutely. Nick, you and Adam are doing a great job. Appreciate what you guys are doing on the side. You're busting your tail and providing some great content out there. Oh, well, thanks, Freddie. All right, gentlemen. Have a good day. All right, you too, Freddie. Well, I think we're going to get, you know, Almost everybody out of here here in a second, but I was Kelly Mason your old snapper for the long time, Chuck. Yeah, so we had uh, I guess two years with Kelly, and then two years of Tristan Yemens. Maybe three of Kelly, one of Tristan, but then Tristan was on for two or three. Reliability. Yeah, and I mean it, it's it. Freddie brings up a good point. Tristan was really athletic. He actually played. Uh, quarterback in high school, which, I mean, you know, he, he was from Georgia, um, a good quarterback. But when you have an athletic center that can run down and actually be a cover man on punt, that's a pretty big deal. Now he, he just turned into a quarterback except between his legs. Yeah, Perfect transition. Much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, I know Freddie's uh, – we're, we're close to leaving, but I can't believe we got we did long snapper before you all tell me if I need to worry about kicking this year. Oh, man. I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer. I, we, can, we can leave it if we don't know. That's fine. We don't have to throw anyone under the bus. We haven't seen anything yet. We'll, we'll just wait and see. I, Is it I the think, Italian meatball that's going to do it? Spicy Italiano? See, I like spicy Italiano, but I, I think you need to give Chance Poor another chance. So, I agree. So I, I agree. But what, what about Spicy Italiano? Is he not get a chance? I mean, no, he's going he's gonna to get a chance. I think the, this is going to be an underrated aspect of camp. And frankly, it's an underrated part of Higher Knocks. I don't know why they aren't focusing every show on the kicking competition because, frankly, that's all anyone cares about. I mean, ratings were historically low for the opener. And I think it's because they didn't show enough kicking. Fully agree. I said this to Nick earlier in a text, but I'll say it here. With Austin, you have the the old guy in camp, at least for newcomers, former financial advisor. They love being like, oh, he used to bag groceries and he just kicked a field goal. They might mention he did some stupid podcast. He was 10% mm. in the XFL and it got shut down. He has so many uh, nice stories that Hard Knocks usually brings out of people. I just don't think there's any way it goes ignored. No, you're you're against the Chargers. You got two teams, so there's twice the players for Mm -hmm. TV time. You got COVID, but the Rams losing a seven-year starter. I think I think he'll get a key piece of one episode. I think we're gonna have a big Austin show. I agree, and and especially just to get that they're big on throwing the the old montages of previous games in. They can use some alliance footage. They can use some XFL footage. So I forgot about alliance. His luggage was in the lobby when he got back to the hotel. I mean, this is <laughs> see, I think exactly. The reason we haven't gotten him to it yet is, I mean, there's uh, Aaron Donald. 
Jalen Ramsey, uh, new cities. There's a lot of stories to get to. Yeah. I think we'll save him for the finale. They had Austin Eckler. Yeah. Um, Justin as, Herbert as one of, um, great hair with the Chargers. Man, that is some good hair. Yeah. And some excellent hair. Ooh, there's, there's one thing, too, that kind of got overlooked because of the timing of it. it. I think the news didn't break till like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. But Ray Lewis's kids are now Kentucky Wildcats. And what yeah. I really like, so their names are Ray Shad and Rasan. I, I believe I'm spelling the second name right, Rashad. And they are back-to-back numbers. Back-to-back numbers. So, I mean, first off, it's it's smart from a branding standpoint that you know that – let me see. So, yeah, Rashad is 28. Rashad is 27. But, like, I mean, those coaches are going to get him confused nonstop, right? I don't even know – Let's be honest, both of them, they've been all over the place. What, yes. what class are they at? One's like a so, senior, right? So, Rayshad is a grad transfer senior. He'll yeah. be able to play right away. He played for Coach Bo, the new receivers coach at Utah State, as like a freshman. And Rashawn is the one who went from – he went to UCF, Scott Frost leaves, so he left. He goes to FAU, Lane Kiffin leaves, so he left. Uh, and now he's, he's playing wide receiver with his brother at UK. And so. what, is, what is he uh, class-wise? I guess he's technically like a sophomore. Oh, okay. Oh. Uh, but I guess I'll have to sit out, so he'll probably only have two years of eligibility, I would assume. As long as we get Ray Lewis doing the Ray Lewis dance down the catwalk at one game, I don't, I don't care how good this, his sons are. I just want that. Now the most famous player dad of the Stoops era. Suck it, Sting. You're, you're, you got a backseat to Ray Lewis, Super Bowl champ. What about Boom's dad? He used to leave the catwalk. Oh, ooh, I think that's we're a going to national recognition. There yeah, we go. favorite of dads. If Ray Lewis shows up wearing shoulder pads with spikes on to the catwalk, though, and cleats, <laughs> is he? Are those the two most famous dads we've had so far? Uh, Sting, Sting, and Boom Williams' dad. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Some dads like to DM me when I don't speak well of their son's performance. But, uh. that, that, that happens. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, I can't think of any other ones. I think that's it from, from my time. Yeah, well, the, there's surely some famous dads out there that we don't know about. Bill Allen, I would say he's a very famous dad. Well, uh, how about Lynn Bowden? Josh Allen. Oh, there you go. Josh Allen, definitely most famous dad. Which, by the way, dad strength, not all about brute force. you got to have some agility. you got to be able to navigate the, the creeks of your floor in your house. Don't want to wake the kid up. A lot more to dad strength than what people initially realize. It's, it's developed strength. Being ever, alert. Ever on, changing. Um, being alert on very little sleep, I assume. Ooh, lots, yeah. lots of things. How to make iced coffee so you can enjoy that in the afternoon. Okay. Yep. Iced coffee. I can't. You lost me there. I'm not. I'm a hot coffee guy. I, I was the same way until this year, and now it's, it's a real game changer. For I will say – there you go. No, no. Just, make a mean iced coffee. I'll send you the recipe, but go ahead, Charles. All right, please do that one. Um, I, I do say that it, it is hard. I met with a prospect at about 10 a.m. for coffee, which is late to me, but I'm like, all right, whatever. He said 10 a.m., I'm there. And I go in, of course, you know, when I'm meeting with the prospect, I kind of just order whatever they order. So they're like, oh, yeah, I like him already. I get a nice coffee. And first couple sips, I just couldn't do it. 
finally finished it, I might have to make the switch over. But at 7 a.m., at 6 a.m., I need a hot coffee to wake me up. Yeah, no, no, I agree. It's definitely an afternoon drink, definitely for the summertime. I, I like the caramel uh, kind of oh. uh, edition. They also, you can go vanilla with it, too. Um, I'm a vanilla, I'm a French vanilla creamer. So, yeah. There's um, cinnamon creamer, like cinnamon mm. uh, biscuit. What are those called? Cinnamon roll? Cinnamon roll cinnamon creamer. Biscuit. Oh, God. Ooh, speaking of. buys that. Did you see the new Girl Scout cookie that's debuting this year? No, what is it? French toast. And it's if you all remember the old French toast crunch cereal, it has the kind of outline of like a piece of toast and they're going to be like Oreos. So that yes, it's going to be like a a cinnamony Oreo flavored Girl Scout cookie. Yeah. I'm in sold. We got to get wow. Freddie back here and tell him about it. He's he might be off the diet real quick. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I, I think it's about time we get out of here, though. I think I got some diapers to change. But it feels good. I mean, we, we, we touched on a lot. Uh, we're going to have a lot more to discuss. And I, I'm just excited that we have football to talk about because, as Freddie said, I, you know, it's hard to get on here and talk about football when football's not happening. And we're back. Football, back. Almost back. We have a schedule. I know. Wait, hey, that that schedule though, that was pretty awesome. Felt like Selection Sunday. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, it always it's, is. It's hard to see you behind all that facial hair, but you know what? Close enough. Damn it. Well, after we make it to Atlanta this year, I'll shave it on the fifty-yard line. Good, good, and then <laughs> I'll mix that in with some grass clippings, and that'll be my souvenir from Love the it. SEC championship game. Well, folks, it's been a lot of fun. Again, the KSR Football Podcast crew together. We'll be back before you know it. Until then, go Cats. Go Krogering. And peep the technique.